Hello, and welcome to 8 Minutes to Ageless, the podcast committed to teaching you the minimalistic approach to becoming bold and not old. On this 20-minute weekly podcast, you will learn how to care for your body and mind while spending the bare minimum amount of time to be successful. I know that life is full, so full that we tend to put our own needs on the back burner and in some cases are simply too confused to figure out what to do, so we do nothing. This podcast is designed to help you leave regrets behind and start caring for yourself no matter your age, so you can grow older and like it, and I might say even love it. My name is Dr. Kelly Pearson, and I am the host of this podcast. I'm a practicing chiropractic physician and author of 8 Minutes to Ageless. Over the past 40 years, my patients have taught me so much about what not to do that I finally just had to get this book written and podcast started. But before we begin, I want to thank all of you who read my book and keep sending me inspiring comments that you're getting your life back. That makes all the difference and makes me smile. Hello there, this is Dr. Kelly back again with you. And today we're actually completing the last movement descriptor as it relates to the two bounce protocol. We've gone through 11, today today will be our 12th. Again, the intention is that you will have learned these one by one by one. But again, you can get a hold of these videos on my book website, 8minutestheageless.com. And my podcast site will have show notes, 8minutestheageless.org. In any event, the videos are available on the book website. And if you just scroll down, you'll see all the videos for the two bounce working together. As in keeping with starting my podcast was something that has us think about the way we're thinking or the power of the mind over the body. Because again, I want your mind to be working with your body as you're doing these stretches. This is not just an exercise for the heck of doing it. This is an exercise in learning how to move your body in new ways to take you to positions that you haven't gotten into for a while, even though your birthright to do all of these things. All the things I'm teaching are cardinal ranges of movement that if you have a body without physical disability or congenital anomaly, you should be able to do these things. And if you have a body with physical disability or congenital anomaly, you do your best. I mean, you know about that. Probably some of the most courageous, amazing people on the planet have physical disabilities because they're always having to find ways to do their best. And I have great, great respect for you if that's the situation. So in keeping with creating this sense of wonderment about our belief system, this is an odd story, but I'm going to share it nonetheless. I had a patient years and years ago who I had the pleasure of working with his wife and some of his children. I think he had six kids total. And he finally came in for treatment, which is not too atypical of a pattern. You know, the women come in first and then they get their kids to come and finally the husband acquiesces and he was a lovely guy. But he was just hopeless. He had had back pain for as many years as he could remember, right in the mid part of his low back. It was an incessant ache, never really went away, couldn't stretch it out. And in talking to him during consultation, it was interesting because he had been to a lot of my favorite providers in my town, been to some other really good chiropractors. He'd been to some great physical therapists of many different types, you know, from stretching and strengthening to biomechanical evaluation to strain counter strain. And none of these things were really reducing his pain. He'd been to an orthopedic surgeon who said he certainly was not a surgical candidate. He'd been to acupuncturist and that hadn't helped him either. And so 
I knew there had to be more to his pain than just a body, a body alone pathology. I mean, I wasn't going to be the superhero coming in and fix him after he's been to all these great providers. So I recall having a little extra time. It was towards the end of the day that I had his new patient exam and he's lying on his back and I'm palpating different various and sundry muscles. You know, sometimes abdominal muscles can cause back pain. You want to see if there's a trigger point or tenderness. But I noticed that when I put my hand over his right lower quadrant, like just down into the right of his umbilicus, his leg, his right leg started to kind of flutter, very tiny, but it was definitely perceptible, just a little like a nervous twitch, if you will. And when I moved my hand up, maybe testing another muscle in a higher quadrant, I noticed it went away. So I tested it a few times and there again would be that little flutter in his right quad. And knowing that I'd already decided there had to be a mental component to his pain, unconscious, of course, I went with my gut and I, when I put my hand over the right lower quadrant, I asked him point blank. Now this is a man, 44 at the time, 45, six children, happily married, his wife homeschooled. I mean, they were just a terrific family. I asked him, Hey, have you ever had surgery before? And he says one answer. Yep. And I could tell he didn't want to talk about it. So then I think I'm onto something here. And I'm thinking about the fact he's had his pain for as many years as he can recall. I'm thinking about surgeries that might happen in that part of the body that would be very scary or nerve wracking for a young man. And it just came to me that maybe he had an undescended testicle that was treated. Sometimes you get these weird hits as a healthcare provider, you start to get so in tune with the body you kind of communicate almost without words. I said, hey, did you ever have any surgery in your pelvis or anything related to, let's say, an undescended testicle or something like that? And he says to me, yes, I did. As if I was the one who'd done the surgery. I said, can you tell me more about it? He goes, yeah, at age six, they took out my testicle and they never asked my permission. And I could tell there was a lot of disdain, a lot of frustration there. And somehow I decided it might be better to lighten up the conversation as opposed to <laughs> create some difficulty. And I said, wow, can you imagine what, how many children you would have had if you had had two testicles? And he started to laugh, which was, of course, the goal here. But what I started to resonate is that there was this reflexive protection of his right lower quadrant. And the psoas muscle, we spell that P-S-O-A-S, is a hip flexor that starts from the lumbar spine and travels all the way down to the front of the hip. And it's actually lift the quad up and similar to what was happening when his leg was going into a fluttering motion there. And it occurred to me that there was a protective holding around that muscle as if it was protecting where the testicle had been removed in a way. And I put my hand over the muscle and again, I said, you know, I'm not going to do anything physical for you today. But I just want to tell you something that I can guarantee you nobody's going to take anything else away from you without your permission surgically. Of course, that probably was not a good thing to say, because how could I could, how could I know? But I was for sure certain he wasn't going to have another testicle taken away without his permission or anything else in that region. He was now an adult. And he looked at me in a way like, really? And I said, I just want you to not feel like you have to protect that part of your body anymore. 
it's done. It happened. You've got your kids. We're good to go. And just think about that. I want to check on you next Thursday. I remember specifically Thursday because I thought we'll give him five, six days to see what happens. He came in on that Thursday and said, Kelly, I don't know what you did, but I haven't had any pain in my back. Of course, I did nothing physically, but what I did is I gave him permission to start to see the holding, the contraction that he was protecting his body from further onslaught. And that psoas muscle, interestingly enough, once it relaxed, once he unconsciously let go, the attachment site in his lumbar spine was exactly where he was hurting. Now, I have seen this gentleman in my office. He sees one of my other chiropractors now intermittently maybe comes in once every year or two. And I say, Hey, how are you doing? How's your back? Great. The pain never came back. Now, was that a miracle? No, it was starting to become aware of something that was holding him back on an unconscious level because he'd never taken the time to really think or feel. That's what I want you to be doing every time I talk to you about anything that we're doing here is I want you to analyze what's holding you back. And is it for real? Is it a reasonable thing for you to be doing? You know, so let's move into our topic at hand here. And that is the last stretch, which is another variation of a hip stretch. So last time we just pulled the knee straight up to your chest. Well, this time I'm going to kind of twist, have your femur twist in the acetabulum, meaning that place, the socket where the top of your femur bone goes in. I'm going to have your leg kind of twist outward which challenges the joint for sure. It puts it in unusual position, but nonetheless, one you should have the right to get into. The same one you would use to sit down on the ground with your legs crossed. Kids call that crisscross applesauce. That is a functional motion that since the beginning of time, man has been sitting cross-legged and that should be one of the things you should be able to do. If you can't do it, well, just work on it. You know, again, a caveat, if you've had a hip replacement or knee replacement, not likely you're going to be great at this. And you should go slow and honor yourself and see what's possible. Don't give up just because it's a little bit stiff. You know, if your physician has said never under any certain um, term, put your leg out in that position, honor it. But what's happening with the surgeries as of today, there's a lot more latitude of movement. But again, your surgeon is going to be the one that tells you what that hip can handle. So I'm not asking you to be nutty if you've had hip replacement or knee replacements. Please honor that there are some limitations with surgery. But if that's not you and you have the ability to move, let's do your best. So this is how this stretch goes. Again, if you can do this without leaning against a wall, it's because you have really good balance and good core strength. If you need a wall, by all means, start there. So let's start with the wall. Let's get you back up to the wall. Your back is going to be leaning into the wall. Your heels will be six, seven inches away from the wall, maybe more if needed. And instead of just pulling your knee up to your chest, this time you are going to take your, let's lift your left leg up. Let's take your left hand and put it on the outside of your left knee. Let's take your right hand. And as you bring that leg up, try to capture the lower part of your ankle right above your foot and your hand is going to be coming around from the front to the back and be kind of like you're holding a baby <laughs> the hip and your knee and your shin bone and your thigh bone becomes the baby and you pull that up to as high as you can soft soft edge and relax and exhale and come up a little bit higher now if this hurts your knee do not do it if this hurts your knee it's because you have some knee challenges that need to be addressed first and or you don't have enough 
rotation in your hips or you're torquing the out, outer ligaments of your knee, and that is not good either. So this stretch might be off limits for you for now, but you keep going back and keep testing to see if you can do it. Now, if you can do it, fabulous. Your ankles and your knees are in relatively good shape and your hip can tolerate this new movement. Do your level best to try to bring that bent knee up towards your chest and bring that right or that left ankle bone up with it. Okay. Now, if you're really tight in your hip, that ankle is going to not be able to come up as high as your knee. It's okay. As long as you're not hurting yourself, you know, go to your soft edge and then breathe and go a little bit farther. That's all I'm asking you to do. Now, if you have the ability to do this without a wall, that's awesome. And if you're almost able to do it without a wall, let me give you a couple tips, as is true for anything that you're doing on one leg. If you can think about three things, first of all, engage your core, engage your cage, tighten up your belly and tighten up your butt, okay? If you can think about tightening up your pelvic area, you're gonna have more stability. If you're thinking about, as you do that, making your body as erect as possible, that is really great so that you're not bending at your hip, you're not bending over. Anytime you're bent over, your balance is gonna be challenged. So number one, engage your core and your glute. Number two, try to stand as tall as you can. And then number three, think about your shoulders. Because if your shoulder tends to be like forward because you're struggling, again, you're going to be off balance and it's going to be harder. The more you're capable of engaging your core and standing straight and keeping your shoulders back as you're doing this motion, the more you're going to be able to do this on one leg. But again, just meet yourself with, with your at. If you suck at this, it just doesn't matter because you can get better. Again, honoring the fact, don't try to be a hero with replacements. There's only so much magic that a surgeon can do with replacement. There are limitations. All right, then. So we have completed the follow balance protocol. Next time we meet, we're going to talk about a whole new topic, but I hope you uh, are left thinking about that story I shared with you at the beginning of the podcast today, because it's always good to be assessing our thoughts. All right, then. Have a fabulous day. In keeping with my minimalistic approach to life, I keep this podcast short and only add the most critical points, not adding fluff. So for today, we are done, but I hope you will do a few minutes of the good stuff we talked about. If you have not picked up the book, you can get it on Amazon. The website, 8minutestoageless.org, will have the show notes and any videos that I mentioned on this podcast. I thank you for spending your precious 20 minutes with me. And as always, you can reach out and contact me via the website. Remember, one day at a time, you are getting bolder and not older. I look forward to seeing you next week.